0: If you want to show that someone, you know, the, the the guest character of the week is tough, they have him beat up Worf, and then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that now we know this guy isn't to be messed with because he could, you know, because if someone you know decked Wesley, you know, people would have been all <laughs> oh, right. But if, right. Could, but if you deck Worf, you know, I think people, like,
1: oh. some people would cheer if you deck Wesley. <laughs> right. This is episode 40 of Movie Byte Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Wednesday, April 17, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Darnell. How are you, Joe?
2: Hey, TJ. I'm doing great. Good evening.
1: All right, and we have a special guest here with us today, Anthony Pascale of, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, of TrekMovie.com. How are you, Anthony? Uh, I'm fine. It and was
0: close. It was close
1: enough. Okay. Pascal. yeah. I was going to say, I Pascal. think I, mis- I mispronounced it last time you were on, and I never got it corrected, so it's Pascal?
0: Just, yeah, Pascal is kind of the American version, I guess.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we have you here with us to talk about the new Star Trek trailer, but before we do that, I saw that you tweeted uh, the Superman trailer last night, and then I posted it on the site uh, earlier today, so um I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the superman trailer uh you're obviously a little bit excited about it since you tweeted it out and you mentioned that it was looking pretty good to you what do you what do you think about that trailer just real quickly
0: well i just thought it was a powerful trailer it uh you know it shows some good performances by um you know everyone involved so you know, I, I i was skeptical when i first heard about this movie but the more I see of it, the more I'm actually interested in seeing it for sure. I'm a fan of the Superman genre, just like I'm a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan. So, um.
1: yeah, I, I I've been a a fan of Superman too. Although, uh, you know my my favorite movie is probably the first, the Christopher Reeve first movie, and the second one was tolerable, and then the third and the fourth kind of went off the rails. But I was pretty happy. Joe was not. He's going to tell us about that in a minute. I'm sure. But Joe was. <laughs> I was pretty happy with Superman Returns. Um, and Joe, you, you can you, – we've, we've already established that you're a hater. So <laughs> yes. how did you think – did, did you like Superman Returns? Is that why you weren't looking forward to this or did it – No,
0: I, I mean I liked it. I didn't love it. I think it was – it had some weird elements. The kind of super stalker stuff was weird. I thought, <laughs> I thought in a way – and, and Brian Singer I think would admit this now – that he was being like overly reverential to yes um the previous films especially the soundtrack which isn't his but you know the, it just it seemed like yeah you know
2: yeah i counted the dialogue scenes uh once it seemed like about 70% of the lines were verbatim something that was said in one of the other original films uh which took a lot away from the potential from superman returns to make it stand out on its own
1: yeah exactly well, you know, to each his own. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You're right. I, I guess you are right about the super stalker thing. I guess I've kind of ignored that aspect. <laughs> but for the for the most part, I uh, I really did enjoy Superman Returns. So I was pretty skeptical uh, until this trailer. I mean, even even though to some extent, you know, it was getting me a little bit excited. It's like, okay, yeah, this 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 trailer, uh, you, you know, whichever trailer would be coming out, I'd be like, yeah, there's. I'm gonna go see it. I'm not sure. But then this trailer has really got me pumped for Superman, the the Man of Steel. So. <laughs> uh should be exciting
2: but this yeah not... I'm, just watch, I'm just watching it here again while we're talking guys and it just blows me away like everything it shows is like 97% special effect shots everything is cg
1: and that can it's either amazing. be good or bad all right well I'll oh, go ahead I'm sorry you're about to say something
2: well one other thing was just uh near the very beginning of the trailer it wasn't so much noticeable when, it, when I was looking at it at uh, 1920 by 1080 but when I'm looking at it uh much smaller like in a video you know like in a an embedded video post Yeah, uh, near the very beginning and like six seconds into the video you see baby superman and i'm pretty sure that's a cg baby <laughs> yeah i'm just a little wary of such things
1: all right well uh we do need to move on to the topic we brought anthony on for but do you have any final thoughts about the superman trailer anthony
0: no, you know, it's just a movie I'm going to go see. I'm not I'm not diving too deep. You know, the irony is of what I do for myself. I don't go to the Superman sites. I haven't learned every little thing about the Superman movie. I've just decided I'm going to go see it. So, you know, and that's, it's kind of enough. They've already sold me. So I won't be watching anything more between now and seeing it.
1: All right. Well, Anthony, we have you on to talk about something that's very exciting to me. And I know it's very exciting to you. I don't know how psyched Joe is. I'm the Star Trek nerd on the show. We've already established that. Um, mm. We're here to talk about uh, first off the Star Trek uh, Into Darkness trailer, the latest one released. And man, boy, what a that that revealed things that I don't think I was expecting to know or see until the movie, which could go a couple of different ways. But uh, what what were your first impressions and first thought about this trailer, Anthony?
0: Well, I mean, <clears throat> as expected, it's the best of the there's been five trailers um and as expected it's the best because it's the last one um but i think a lot of people don't understand yeah and that's fine not to understand it's not a criticism but yeah, there's two marketing campaigns going on from paramount's point of view there's the domestic marketing campaign and then the international marketing campaign sure but what, but when you're online you get exposed to all of it So some of the posters you've seen and some of the trailers you've seen, two trailers and a number of posters, are really meant for international audiences. I mean, but because of of the internet, we see it. And Paramount have taken a very different approach. A lot of people don't realize how Star Trek does not perform that well in a lot of international markets. Essentially, any country where they don't speak English – um, which is a lot of the world, sure. right? Huh. Um, it, it doesn't perform well. I mean, it, you know, to give you an example, the Hannah Montana movie in 2009 did oh better. than St- the Star Trek movie. You
1: had to bring it up. You had to rub salt in the wound.
0: <laughs> in some markets, like including like Italy or France. Um, yeah. So places like Latin America and Asia, they really market this film differently. So they amp up the action they admittedly de-Trekify. I think a executive from Paramount actually used those words. And some Trek fans might get insulted by that. I'm a little insulted I, by that term. <laughs> but the, the reason they're doing that, you know, I've spoken to people who live in some of these countries, like Russia or France, and they say, well, you know, a lot of the TV shows were never shown. Trek has a very bad image. People think it's a joke or for kids or they yeah. call it that show that people wear pajamas on, you know, they, <laughs> right. they, they really, you know, they they have to break through a barrier because if Star Trek wants to be a tentpole blockbuster to be in this league is, you know, all the comic book movies and the Superman movie, they need to get to where they're making as much money overseas as they're making domestically, which is never happened for a Star Trek movie ever. Um, that kind of
2: makes some sense there, because now that you mention it, the original show was, in its own right, it was um, it was a pretty decent sci-fi TV show. I, I, I actually enjoy it nowadays. But as far as sci-fi is all concerned, it's not much different from the original live-action Batman TV show, apart from the bang-pow-pop bubbles that would come over in an action sequence.
1: Joe, this is sacrilege. You do realize that, right? I
2: do realize okay. that.
1: I, I
0: mean, that. I mean, I <laughs> mean, that's 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 a little unfair Although, I do so.
2: <laughs> I am being harsh I realize that but I think that, that that probably would be the perception of the the foreign audiences like you're describing.
0: Um yeah, I mean there's an element of that. I mean there is a you know, if you look back at 60s Batman, you'll notice that quite a number of the guest stars from Batman and a lot of the Batman villains are also Star Trek villains or you know, guest stars because it's basically the same group of people. Um but it's it's a you know it's it's a fair criticism from a an, an outsider's
2: uh, point of view,
0: an outsider's point of view who's living in France and doesn't understand Star Trek. Yeah, and didn't and, and and I would say that Star Trek really wasn't fully marketed well internationally. I you know they, in two thousand nine, if you look in if you remember two thousand nine in America. Um, Star Trek was, I mean, they were on the cover of Newsweek. They got a lot of coverage. And the message was out that this is a new kind of Star Trek. So the kind of, the people who didn't go see Star Trek Nemesis, which is everyone, um, (laughs) uh, got the, you know, because if another Star Trek movie comes out, you're like, why would I, you know, I I haven't seen the last two. Why would I go see this one? Um, And they got that message out, I think, very well domestically. And in the UK and Australia and other English-speaking countries, but not well the rest of the world. So, anyway, so backing up, you know, um, this is the best trailer of all of them and the most Trek trailer, I would say. It really gives you a um, – it really focuses on Kirk and Kirk's journey. And you really get the message that this film, Kirk, is still not Kirk. You oh, for quite, sure. You know, he's still he's – still, on his hero's journey. Yeah. As it were.
1: Absolutely. I mentioned that when I posted the trailer on moviebite.com, which is that this is not Kirk this is still not Kirk as we've ever known him before. This is still Kirk very much becoming Kirk. Uh, you know, I know they've changed the universe and everything, but we're really he's telling the story of how Kirk became Kirk, at least as far as Abrams is concerned. That's what the story he's telling.
2: Now, and, uh, are y'all guys really seriously thinking that they're going to uh, give him a character arc that will get him to where Kirk was in the original show? Or will he um, – I kind of perceive him to be a younger, modernized Kirk that, yes, while he has a character arc, he he's of another dimension, so to speak. I just don't ever really see him getting that close to the William Shatner Kirk.
1: I'll let you feel this one, Anthony.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think that – the goal, I think, it feels like the goal is to get him much closer to that by the end of this movie and then
1: mm.
0: have him kind of be the the TV Kirk in maybe the next movie. Because you have to remember that the TV series was set during the five year mission and then the six or seven movies that Chatner was in were all set years later. He was an admiral in the first movie, actually, right. and then he got yep. promoted. And, you know, so. So he won't be that Kirk because that Kirk is kind of way in the future. Yep. but he's still not even TV series Kirk. Um, and I think that Kirk, the kind of cocky but um, but still se- somewhat seasoned and experienced Kirk, is still to come. I think, or you know, right, we'll that- probably see more of that in. In this movie,
1: the you know, likable version of Cocky Kirk, not not the the version here that you see. That's like, oh my goodness, a little too much in your face, there, Jim. <laughs> right. Um. All right. So, um, I do have a list of things, and we we've wandered way away from it. I do want to get back to it. Um. So, um, for anybody that is interested, uh, I think that uh, as popular as my posts have been on Star Trek, I think most people will be. They should check out your shot by shot analysis over on trekmovie.com. dot com. I've got that linked in the show notes. When the show goes live, you'll be able to get to that. Uh, but, um, I mean, when I post it, but, um, one of the things that, that we, uh, we got revealed is this great, big, huge honking ship. And we already know that the new enterprise is a much larger version of the enterprise than originally was conceived. If you, if you want to get real nerdy and technical, like some of us do about the actual dimensions and specs of the enterprise, this, this thing is huge. Like it's, it's like, I think bigger than the enterprise from the next generation movies, right? The, bigger than the enterprise E is that correct?
0: Um, yeah I don't get into all those details I think it's about the same length as the sovereign class, but you right. know, I'm sure someone will correct me on that and you know the enterprise d is a pretty big ship i think yeah so it's it's in that it's it's certainly in the big next generation ship class than the smaller original series
1: exactly and then we got wise re- then we got revealed this huge ship that uh, cumberbatch is driving around in what the heck is that thing i mean we haven't seen this before and I know this may be nerdy to some people, but I was like, whoa, what in the world is this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it certainly was a big reveal. And I mean, and clearly they they have held it back until this trailer. Uh Um, Absolutely. Although from the very first trailer that came out, they they always showed this shot of a ship crashing into San Francisco Bay and people like, and there's a shot of a ship coming out of the water, which was clearly the Enterprise. People assume it was the same ship. But I've been saying in other kind of you – know, I guess I am nerdy uh, – I've been pointing out <laughs> that if you look at closely, you can see that the ship that crashes in the bay is not the Enterprise because it has a totally different
1: design. Yeah, I've I've always been able to tell that as well.
0: Um, and But they've been holding back on what is this other ship. Um uh, there's still some question whether the other ship that we saw in the trailer is the one that crashes, but we know at least it's not the Enterprise. Yeah,
1: it doesn't quite look the same to me. The nacelle struts and everything, the nerdy details, they're they are different. Um, it looks like to me from what I can tell. Uh, but I, I haven't even dived in as deep by shot by shot as you do, uh, which again, right. check out that article. It's great. Uh, the,
0: um, we have seen the interior of the other ship. And in fact, there's this great photo that was released a couple weeks ago of often behind the scenes photos are better than – shots they sent from the movie because he could see some things better lit. Um, and there's a nice. shot of Abrams just standing while some guys are sweeping the floor behind yeah. him of a bridge, but he's clearly not on the Enterprise bridge. It's all dark. Yep. And you realize there's been lots of shots in all the trailers of people in a kind of a dark space, including Cumberbatch sitting in this chair, a captain's chair, but it's not the Enterprise captain chair. And now we realize that there's clearly an entire set that they built for this other ship. Yes. And, and the inside looks somewhat like, um, an Imperial star cruiser, I admit, but, um, <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> uh,
0: I guess, you know, Abrams couldn't help himself. He knew he was eventually going to make a star Wars movie. Yeah. So
1: he, start, he, start, he <laughs> oh, started, he started, building
0: the sets early. That's and, a whole uh, other topic too. Um, it's a, you know, but, uh, you yeah, know, I'm yeah. excited about the other ship.
2: Sounds like a crossover to me.
1: Yeah, and and here's the thing that that's kind of bugging me a little bit. Um, we had in the uh, 2009 Star Trek. Uh, I wish he hadn't called it just Star Trek. It's hard to differentiate, but the 2009 movie Star Trek. Right. Um, we had this big, huge, honkin' ship called the Narada. And it completely outmatched the Enterprise. I mean, that was part of, kind of, part of the plot. And it feels like, are we rehashing that? What's going on here? Why, why do we have to have a big honking ship every time that outclasses the Enterprise? Can't we have a plot based on something else? How do you, how do you feel about that?
0: Well, you know, just because you see a picture of something doesn't mean it's all about that. And true. you know, big giant ships are nothing new. You had Viger in the first movie. This is true. This is true. You know, you had the whale probe. You had, you know, a nemesis, you know, you had the scimitar. Not that we want to bring up that, um, you know, oh, I, I
1: like that. But, film
0: But but in uh, First Contact, you had the biggest of the big. You had the board cube. All, know, right, which, all right. All
1: right. All you right. Know,
0: you don't get any bigger than that. Um, I, I, I concede you win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just felt right. a
1: little bit like, oh, come on, another big, huge honking ship, uh, you know. But OK, I, I'll concede the
0: point. Now, I, I made that point. In my, I made a joke about that in my shot by shot. But that doesn't. That that doesn't bother me. I mean, I, the more interesting thing I think is that the bad quote bad guy ship in this movie is a Federation ship.
1: That is interesting. Yes, nice. Or at yeah.
0: least it look. Okay, let's just say you know it's kind of like uh, when they you know in the news they always have to say the word alleged. Allegedly, uh, yes. Yeah, allegedly, it's a Federation ship because it certainly right. looks like a Federation ship. Although it's it's black and. The other Federation ships of that era we've seen are either white, like the Enterprise, or kind of gray. Um, well, it's this likely the same
2: manufacturer.
1: Yeah, there was. Know. I saw speculation in the comments on your article, Anthony, that um, this ship was actually a design that Cumberbatch stole that was built maybe by the Klingons, which is why it has a darker look. I mean, who really knows? But that—that that was some speculation I saw that was interesting.
0: Well, it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's it's one of those things of does two plus two equal five or you know four. We know that Cumberbatch is, is there's scenes of him on the Klingon homeworld because you could see that and they've talked about that. So that's not speculation. That's true. Um, although you see him beating up Klingons. And uh, so, you know, either he had a falling out with the Klingons that built him the ship or whatever. You know, yeah. who knows? I, I think the Klingons play the role. There, there's this great internet video of Worf getting beat up right (laughs) right right yeah and so it's it's interesting if you want to show that someone you know the 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 guest character of the week is tough they have him beat up wharf and then you're like oh okay (laughs) that now we know this guy isn't to be messed with because he could you know because if someone you know decked wesley you know people would have (laughs) right Right. But if you deck Worf, you know... I think people...
1: Some people would cheer if you deck Wesley.
0: (laughs) So, so we see in the trailer, you know, Cumberbatch basically just beating the hell out of a bunch of... Like, not just one Klingon, but a whole bunch of Klingons. So, you go, oh, okay, well, you know, clearly this is not someone you want to mess with. If he could just take down Klingons, you know, (laughs) without breaking his sweat.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, Okay, so... I want to talk about the uh, con action as you the connection uh, to con as you put con action in your uh, article there. Uh, This this is one of those things that just won't die, and maybe now it's almost like maybe Abrams is not letting it die. Like that could still be like maybe he's playing it up almost, you know? Or uh, the the the.
0: I I haven't talked to them about it. I mean, when I when we do the, um, I'm I'm sure I'll be interviewing him at some kind of press event, I guess. You know, and I'll ask him. You know, you knew about the, you know, into the darkness. Now, what, what's the
1: line now, beyond I, now. the darkness lies greatness. Beyond the,
0: beyond the darkness lies greatness and beyond the darkness lies con. You know, it, it just it's too obvious. It's too like wink, wink. Yeah, um, I'm not saying they're coming out and saying it's con. They're I not.
1: I, I think this actually, to me, says it's not con because it's almost too obvious. I don't
0: That's think what it's saying is. it's like them waving a flag saying, hey, look over here. Yeah, um, exactly. Is, yeah. And uh, And then there's
2: the line in the trailer where Benedict uh, says something like darkness is coming in in the trailer. Yeah. So, and, and that's just,
1: definitely uh, definitely that connection is is has been made too clearly with with that trailer from Star Trek 2 that uh that you pointed out. I Yeah, but I it's just one of those things that won't die and, and you know people are convinced like some people are just convinced this is Khan, it's got to be Khan. He was the best villain Star Trek's ever Star Trek movies have ever seen except maybe possibly the Borg. So uh, I think people just want it to be con. I, I, I don't know anyway. Well, so, I was well, hopeful
2: if- until they revealed, you know, more details and they kind of show off that he, he's wearing the star Trek. Well, the, sorry, the Federation uniform a bit too often for Khan's taste. Well, they could reinvent con. I guess Is that the that, assumption.
0: Well, one thing that we do know, and they've said this and unless they're lying, <laughs> they they said they're not making a remake. So, so if Khan or any other canon character, if it were Gary Mitchell or Khan or Garth of Izar or the Horda, it doesn't matter. They're not going to recreate the episode where we were introduced to that character. So when people say, you know, oh, well, if it's Khan, we've seen this all before – That's like saying we've seen Chekhov before, you know, so therefore we know everything that's going to happen, you know, and, you know, or we've seen Spock before, but we never saw, you know, Spock like we did in the last movie, but we saw lots of Spock before. So, so using a character is not the same as using a story. When I look at the Superman thing, they seem to be doing something new and interesting with Zod and the same thing that Christopher Nolan did. I mean, the Batman second Batman movie had the Joker in a way that not only was he not like in the very good Tim Burton film, but it was different than the Joker from the animated show, different from the Joker from certainly from the TV well, show.
1: Yeah. And frankly, the best Joker we've ever seen.
0: Right. And so, you know, the first time I heard as a Joker. I'm like, ah, we've been there before. But then when you see it, you know, you know that, you know, a character is not a story. A character is just a character. It's like saying, you know, a, a typewriter is a book, you know, <laughs> right, it, sure. you know it, it's, you know, the character gets you, you know, certainly part of the way, but how they use the character is, is more important, you know, and uh, if they did, you know, if, if this were Khan and they discover the Botany Bay and Khan tries to take over the ship, then he falls in love, then a girl falls in love with him and then she saves her, then I'll be upset.
1: <laughs> right, uh, sure. Because I'd be like,
0: "Well, yeah, we we did see that. We did that you know? already. Right. We don't need to see that again. Yep. Um, but uh, I I don't think that's going to
2: happen. And, yeah, I would uh, make the same distinction. You know.
1: Yeah. Okay. I I and I I agree. I mean, if it is con, I'll be maybe slightly disappointed, but I I hope that I'll get so wrapped up in the story, I won't care. So. Right. Um, all right, I want to talk about this, too. I think we've got to talk about this. Uh, when my wife saw – it was a couple of trailers back, actually, and she's – let it be known, she is not a Star Trek fan. She watches Star Trek with me occasionally, and she likes it well enough, but she is not, like, a fan like I am and like uh, you are, Anthony. <laughs> and so um, she saw this, though, and she, her first thing uh, was when she saw the first trailer that where the Enterprise was falling out of orbit and and, and obviously burning up and and the smoke was rolling – she goes. They're destroying the Enterprise again. Haven't we already done that a couple of three or four times? Don't they do that in every movie? That was what, that's what she says. She's like, don't they do that in every Star Trek movie? Um, and let it be known, uh, the the Enterprise well, has only been destroyed. Knows,
0: <laughs> she knows enough about Star Trek to make that comment,
1: <laughs> right? No, she watches it with me.
0: So I mean, although they they yeah they sure they've done it twice, but uh, um, you know we don't uh, you know again we don't know that you know the enterprise is destroyed (laughs) allegedly um but clearly the ship that fall that's that crashes into the bay isn't the enterprise no it could it could easily be misdirection
1: it could be Uh, although the enterprise looks pretty far gone in the shots we've been seeing like she's pretty beaten up and blown up and falling and stuff debris is coming i mean the the the, uh the saucer section is like uh, not uh, not half i mean there's like a quarter of it's been like mutilated and destroyed and you know, and and I think one of the nacelles is listing, and and just, uh, it, you know, and 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 immediately, my wife is like, "Well, they destroy it in every movie, and let it be known they've only destroyed it twice in the movies." And you know, there was a couple of uh, fake times that it was destroyed in Star Trek: The Next Generation. One I can remember right off the top of my head that didn't turn out to actually be because of the time loop thing. But anyway, uh, that was the perception, and I'm I'm I really hope in a way that they don't go there, but you know you i guess well, you've already but, given us your thoughts
0: i think the message is it, the more important message i think is the first movie was all about hey look everyone's coming together let's you know and everyone's forming into this family in this one they're saying that this group of characters including the ship which is a character right are go- are going to get severely tested by some guy who's a serious badass Hence, the Klingon beating up and, you know, and the and the ship getting beat up, you know, that's, you know, basically they're saying the stakes are higher. I mean, that was one thing. An interesting thing about the trailer is there was nothing funny in the trailer and there was, <laughs> that's and, there true. was
1: nothing,
0: and there was nothing sexy in the trailer. Think about that. Right. Because they, they've used that in, in other trailers. They're yeah, saying the, this, the, this. The whole is meme a,
1: Star Trek into undies.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you know, they used it in the commercials, of course, and you will see the shots of I mean, you don't cast Alice Eve unless you're going to let people know Alice Eve's in the movie. She's a great actress, but she also happens to be Alice Eve. Right. Um, (laughs) And we did have her in her undies, you know. Exactly. um, Yes. But they didn't use that for the trailer. They didn't. I mean, and there's plenty I've seen scenes from the movie. There's plenty of Simon Pegg yuckety yucks in this film. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, the film isn't the dark Knight; It isn't over, you know, that kind of serious movie, as I understand. And they've said that they'll, they could never make it that serious because Star Trek is, can never be that serious. So, um,
2: huh. We'll You'll know, never get the empire strikes back treatment, huh?
0: Well, I mean, Star Trek has, I mean, you know, if you watch first contact, that's a very serious movie. A lot of people die, Kirk, I mean, not Kirk, Picard kills his own crew people because they've turned into the board. Yeah, it is pretty dark. You know, it's a dark movie. It's a zombie monster movie.
1: <laughs> um, when you put it like that.
0: <laughs> you know, and it's shot very dark. And, you know, so Star Trek can get serious. Um, and, and Star Trek Six is a very serious movie. It deals with serious issues. That's true, yeah. Um, but, it, the, you know, they've decided to... You know, not push the lightness of Star Trek for this last trailer. And, um, you know, I think that's an interesting choice.
1: Yeah. Well, I do think it's going to be a heavier movie in terms of its darkness and its feel than the previous one was. But, you know, I, I, there will be, I think, some humor as we've seen in other trailers. Certainly, Simon Pegg will bring some humor. I think we'll get some classic lines from Bones and, and that sort of thing. Right. But uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be a, l- a bit darker and they've certainly. They're certainly not. They're certainly pushing that aspect in this trailer. It's going to be a very serious film. So, um, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you mentioned it's hard to get uh, Trekkies to agree on much of anything, and yet your poll on the site is showing that uh, I think most of us, by and large, love this trailer. What is? What are your stats showing right now? Uh,
0: or- I haven't checked. I mean, I checked a few hours ago, and it was something like eight. We have five categories, so it's really rank it one out of five, but it's love it, like it, it's okay, um, not not that good, hate it, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And it was something like 89% said love it, and 6%, 7% said like it, so something like 95% were in the top two, most of them in the top, and there was as of yesterday, it was a zero percent on hate it, which I thought was. I obviously, there's rounding that the system rounds. <laughs> sure,
1: right. So, so it's probably and, one or two people that clicked hated it. And I mean, to,
0: today, it, it's rounding up to one percent hate it. So, but that's. I mean, you know, that's that's pretty amazing. Twelve percent. Twelve percent of people hated the international poster, for example. So there are people out there who are willing to say, "I hate it," and. Uh, <laughs> You know and especially with star trek and that was a much more mixed bell curve whereas this one's all in one direction and that's unusual um to see something so you know dramatic i mean if we had a poll that said you know what do you think of star trek 2 it would also be like that you that's know true. so there are certain things that people almost you know i i don't know how many people would say they hate star trek 2 i mean that's Very unlikely, Um, you know, but
1: uh, don't don't ask Joe. (laughs) Oh, be quiet.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, there's so I mean, I I don't tend to use the word hate a lot personally because hate such a negative word. But um, there's really nothing in Star Trek that I hate hate you know i could find something i like in all the movies
1: oh that's true I, I could say that i can find something in all the movies to like but i was going to say if, if there's one that i hate it's probably the motion picture but you know uh even that i can find things to like in it you're right so well yeah that, that's pretty amazing on the one hand it's like cool most of the trackies are this, but on the other it kind of ups the pressure i think for jj abrams and co because now if this movie doesn't deliver on fans expectations uh you know there's there's going to be a price to pay I suppose you might say. <laughs> so I I, think,
0: uh, yeah I, I, that's certainly true. I think that their bigger challenge is is international moviegoers, but keeping the trekkies on board is I mean the success of the last film was doing very well with general movie, movie audiences, very well with critics. If you remember it, it showed up on a number of top 10 You know, um, yeah, Star Trek has
1: never enjoyed that before.
0: Right. And there was, you know, a little bit of Oscar buzz. That was the first year they opened it up to 10 movies, um, you know, and, you know, it did win an Oscar for makeup, which is the first in the franchise. Yeah. So, you know, and it worked with fans Um, and. For I would say, you know, 80 plus percent, you know, by and large, at least. Um, so the trick for this one will be, uh, so the only thing that one didn't do as well as it could have done is get to general average moviegoers in foreign markets. Yeah. So that, that, you know, but otherwise it did everything. It, it, and it was certainly considered a huge success by Paramount. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. it, it still made more money, especially when you factor in home sales and everything than any Star Trek movie. It, obviously it costs more. Um, But this one costs even more, and it's 3D, and that costs a lot of money to do, especially the way they're doing it. I mean they didn't shoot it in yeah. 3D, but they're really going out of their way in the way they're inverting yeah, it.
1: I'm not a huge fan of 3D, but I'll probably wind up seeing it in 3D at least once. So for yeah. the record, the original Star Trek uh, – not the original. The, the first JJ Star Trek made $385 million worldwide, so that that's right. why Paramount considers it a success uh, on a budget of 150
0: Right, so. right. And this one has a larger budget. they haven't said what it is, but it's and 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 once you do something in 3 d you're just you have to spend more on it just because it costs more to make
1: a 3 d movie yep, especially so when it, he post converted I would imagine
0: right, so you know they and they wanted to make things quote unquote bigger, so you know expect a larger number, but not a ridiculous number yeah, you know i mean that one of the problems with with singer Superman movies to do a callback was that he spent way too much money on it um and i forget what he spent on it it was over well over 200 million i yeah, mean I'm, you could uh, check uh, it quickly um you know just and and wasted
1: money you know and 270 million is what singer spent on superman returns
0: yeah now, now some some people say well a lot of that money warner brothers cuz you know remember they they brought in kevin smith and they they brought in like seven different directors including jj abrams and so some of that money apparently is Paying people who never did anything, you know, yeah, for for all the attempted, but but he still spent too much money, and he would probably admit that as well.
1: I've I've heard him admit that that he spent too much money, he made it too much of a callback, and that sort of thing. So
0: yeah, and I think there's a limit to you know, I would not spend two hundred seventy million dollars on a Star Trek movie. I think that would be a mistake. I I Uh, agree.
1: Yep, I just don't think Star Trek's ever going to make that enough to warrant that kind of a budget. Maybe at least not as it stands now.
0: It's not. I don't think Star Trek can get into the 600 million, 700 million worldwide range.
1: Yeah, that, that's Avenger the, territory
0: for the super blockbuster. But I think they could certainly break 400 and get close to 500. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's where this movie It's movies going to end up somewhere between four and five is my
1: guess. All right. But, but we'll see. All right, well, we do have a, another movie to review, so we're going to have to move on from that. But thank you so much for coming on, Anthony, and talking to us about the uh, Star Trek trailer. I had a lot of fun talking about that. Do you suppose we could get you on uh, after the film comes out to talk about the film?
0: Sure, After it comes because it comes out in Europe. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, after it comes out in the U.S., uh, whenever we see it, and then we'll schedule a podcast. I'll get with you on email, and we'll we'll set that up because I think that would be a lot of fun.
0: Okay, nice talking to you guys. All right.
1: Hey, real Thanks, quick, where, where can people uh, find your work?
0: TrekMovie.com.
1: And on Twitter?
0: At TrekMovie. Excellent. Well, thank
1: you so much, Anthony.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: All right, Good stuff. Joe. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I know you're not the biggest Trek fan, but you indulge me, and uh, our, oh, hopefully I... our listeners will indulge me, too, because that was that was awesome.
2: Well, I don't mind having a conversation about Trek stuff with someone who knows their business.
1: Yeah, and he definitely does. Check him out. Make sure you check out trekmovie.com. I, I check that site out every single day. And uh, as I said in the show notes, you've got the shot by shot analysis of the trailer, which he does with every single trailer. It's amazing. And uh, if you're if you're anywhere near being a Star Trek fan, you will not be disappointed by this article. So go check it out.
2: If anything, just you know, if you are conscientious of spoilers, please stay away from their site. But it's really good stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Dave, I, I Definitely, yeah. I mean, if it's, I would even consider this trailer... I mean, we, we've had talk about this before, but trailers are getting more and more spoilery.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, it, I, well, the trailer and his yeah. site is so spoilery, you might as well be in on the pre-production. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, we do have a film to review, Joe. Shall we get into we it? We
2: do. And, you know, this is episode 40, so I felt like we should have waited a couple more episodes before <laughs> we covered this one. We should uh, This is really messing with my OCD
1: oh dear well this film is called 42 uh and, and you know another what another thing I'm,
2: oh go ahead another, you, you want to know another thing that really bugs me is that this movie is called 42 and it had a 40 million dollar budget
1: <laughs> you think they would have just given it just throw yes, two more million at it please come on it's messing with your ocd you got it you got it, they should have done it just because they, did, they didn't want to mess with joe darnell's <sighs> ocd i mean seriously Something. what were they thinking okay know. Well, I have to. I just have to get it out right up front. This, I this is the best movie I've seen this year. This is a fantastic film. Love this film. Hmm. Highly recommended. Wouldn't you? I mean, have you seen a better film this year?
2: No. This is this is the best so far.
1: Yeah. All right. So it's tell really us a fun. This, this is film.
2: this is why I really enjoy you know reviewing movies is when we have one like this and you know we we suffer through many to get to the good spoils like this one. So everyone, listen up. This is something that you should see in theaters if you get the chance. Um, you won't die if you miss it, but try to get it on home entertainment. I'm sure there will be an early release on iTunes or something.
1: Well, this is one of the ones, though, Joe. I mean, anything that's four stars or above, I really push for people to watch in the theater. And I've got to tell you, this is above that. So yeah, get yourself to the theater and see this fantastic film. All right. Tell us a little bit about this film.
2: Okay, so first of all, it came out on April the 12th, 2013, with a budget of $40 million, and on opening weekend, it made $27.5 million. Uh Total worldwide, it's still domestically uh, coming in at $29.7 million. It hasn't been released internationally just yet, yet and I can see why. Um, I'm wondering what this sort of film will do internationally.
1: I I just can't imagine that it would have that broad of appeal internationally. I mean, it's because baseball is very American and it's a very American story. It's dealing with uh, both an American pastime and the problems that our American culture had at that time even still deals with to some extent today. Although it's – we'll get to that in a little bit. Still, it's quite a bit lower than it used to be. But um, I I
2: be to be certain that there are a few other uh, cultures that care very deeply about baseball but i just don't see that they would care much about our baseball history
1: right exactly
2: yeah well yeah it's definitely a winner for the the uh, american audiences uh i think it should it should you know break its budget right
1: oh absolutely i, I can't imagine it wouldn't i mean it opened to two, 27.5 million uh with a budget of 40 million i mean that, there's i mean it's going to break it this weekend
2: right and it was only like what a week ago that people were telling us that there was nothing good to see in film you know theaters until iron man 3 came out yeah uh, i
1: think that we've been known to say that
2: <laughs> yeah well we weren't saying that but uh the the ignorant were saying that okay Th- those right. racist people about movies okay oh, so, oh,
1: oh, oh um i have to uh i just have to say we said 27 million it is up to 32 million right at this moment that must have been a recent update
2: ah yeah, in the last, what, you know, Yeah, I was five just hours. looking at
1: it on Box Office Mojo, and I thought, oh, well, let's update that toe. So 32.2 million is what it has made so far. So oh, I have to apologize. I, I'm i having terrible allergies, and I thought that my nose was cleared up, and now I can feel myself starting to sound a little nasally, so I apologize. But
2: uh, Oh, you poor either. soul. I'll send you some, uh, you know, uh, tissues here through the chat room.
1: Oh, please do. Please do. Uh, I'd like to see what those look like coming through the chat room. Am I supposed Bits to pull and them and out bites. of my screen? All right. All right. Anyway. All right. So... <clears throat> Hero is a word we hear often in sports, but heroism is not always about achievements on the field of play. 42 tells the story of two men, the great Jackie Robinson and legendary Brooklyn Dodgers general manager Branch Rickey, whose brave stand against prejudice forever changed the world by changing the game of baseball. In 1946, Branch Rickey, played by Harrison Ford, put himself at the forefront of history when he signed Jackie Robinson, played by Chadwick Boseman, to the team, breaking Major League Baseball's infamous color line. But the deal also put both Robinson and Ricky in the firing line of the public, the press and even other players uh, facing. Uh, I'm sorry. That was one sentence in the firing line of the public, the press and even other players facing unabashed racism from every side unabashed racism from every side. Robinson was forced to demonstrate tremendous courage and restraint by not reacting in kind, knowing that any incident could destroy his and Ricky's hopes. Instead, number forty-two let his talent on the field do the talking, ultimately winning over fans and his teammates, silencing his critics, and paving the way for others to follow.
2: Mm. And that's the synopsis from the studio. Yes, it is, and it's a pretty good synopsis. It's—I
1: uh, it's, uh, didn't have any complaints with it, really. I yeah. mean,
2: other than my stumbling
1: over a couple of words—that's uh, uh, <laughs> which they should obviously—they obviously should have changed his words. Um, yeah, no, I, yes. I enjoyed that synopsis. Seems to sum it up quite well, I
2: mm-hmm. think. A few other details. It was directed by Brian Hetchland, who is mostly known for his screenwriting, and he's pretty good at that. Let's see here. I wanted to highlight this just for a second because he did a few other pretty notable things. No, I don't have the information on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's look it up on IMDb. Brian Hetchland. Young guy. Anyway, so he did the uh, screenplay for and uh well screenplay and story so i guess that means he created the original story as well for that robin Hood movie starring russell crowe
1: yeah it's on my watch list i still haven't seen it uh, i'm kicking myself now
2: well you know let's see here i i remember when it came out the critics didn't care for it it got a 6.7 on imdb uh, and that's about what i would give it well you because know, Russell know
1: though i mean come on
2: yeah and he does a pre- and yeah well kate uh what's her name kate blanchett yeah she's in it too well, she, in she it plays Maid marion okay, Marianne, okay. You know, so oh yeah yeah
1: yeah, so how I mean, could that not be good? I can't imagine it only getting a 6.2 on IMDb.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, no, that's like, you know, three and a half out of five stars, right? And then uh, he was yeah, also, I, I would expect he was one of. Well, he was also one of the writers for LA Confidential, which is a classic. And he was also one of the writers for Man on Fire. So the guy's got a good winning streak coming up with decent stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, so yeah, I, I like the director. Now, you know, I'll keep paying attention to what he does. He did something also with um, a recent Matt Damon movie, another sports movie. And um, it was one, too, that got a lot of critical attention. Um, So there's that. Um, Stars, like a few other people that are worth mentioning, Nicole Beharie and uh, Christopher Maloney, uh, Lucas Black, Alan Tudyk, and Andre Holland.
1: Yeah, and I had forgotten. I think I must have saw his name at some point. Because as soon as I saw him, I thought, oh, yeah, he's in this film. But... Uh that, that that was one of the delights of of seeing him in a role that you don't normally see Alan Tudyk in. You would not expect you you wouldn't immediately go, "Oh, Alan Tudyk would be perfect for that role." <laughs> right. Playing a
2: redneck uh, hick, yeah, yeah racist and, and ball player. Yeah, and throwing
1: around yeah. racist slurs. I mean, and it was actually kind of, I think kind of a brilliant casting choice because it really caught you off guard and it really oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. It was good.
2: Right, well, the thing is about Alan Tudig is you know he 's a great character actor, yes, and King what Candy. this film <laughs> and what this film was really all about were character acting performances wouldn't yes. you agree oh
1: i I do agree yes that's that's good.
2: I uh, was so impressed by that it's something that I miss from a lot of modern films. Um, it seemed a lot more common with older films, and because the story is set in the historical light, perhaps that was one of the uh, like tips of the hat that the direction wanted to um, aspire for, to give it a little feel of an old fashioned film. And I think that they achieved that without being so old fashioned that it was un- inaccessible to everyday people today. Um, in fact, well, I guess we're kind of touching upon it now. I'll just go ahead and say one of my huge likes for this film was that uh, there was good acting talent all throughout and it was sprinkled throughout so that it w- there weren't many highs and lows where the lows were so you know d- you know depreciating the value of the film that I felt like now there's a moment where i just have nothing that i can enjoy about this film why do they have this boring subplot you know why yeah. do they have this character that didn't belong in the film at all or why did they have this actor in it that you know just doesn't fit the rest of the cast? In fact, if anything, now don't misunderstand me, I would say if anything, Harrison Ford was the only one that came close to standing out like a sore thumb. But at the same time, oh, I think Oh no, that his, no, no, no. At the same time, <laughs> I think he has a wedding performance. It was so refreshing coming from Harrison. He it proved that he can still act. Oh yes. And I love to see him as a character actor. He a car in a character performance that was so refreshing because he usually just plays himself, or he's way too subtle about his per, the character's personality that it just looks like Harrison Ford again.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I I uh, I don't agree that uh, with what you said at first, but yes, I do agree. Uh, Harrison Ford was uh, great in this in this film. So. Uh, Well,
2: a little bit about the critical acclaim. In general, this is what it says on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is what I have found with a couple of the reviews I did in my research. Uh, 42 is an earnest, inspirational, and respectfully told biography of an influential American sports icon, though it might be a little too safe and old-fashioned for some. Now, you had another comment later in our outline. Do you want to go ahead and jump to that, where we kind of address this a little bit more fully? Because this was something i i definitely disagree with with the critics in general i think that they're more interested in seeing something that has uh in a way i could just call it pretentiousness that they want the the actors to express themselves on the screen as though they know what they're doing is monumental and i don't want that to happen i want it to feel like it's humanized I want it to feel like these are everyday, real-life human beings that somehow understand, maybe in the back of their mind, that this what they're doing is very important for racial equality in America. But they don't need to come across as, you know, as recognizing that what they're doing is basically put up on a pedestal for all time for the world to see that what they're doing is oh so great. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I got that big time in the movie, Lincoln by Spielberg that all the performances came across as uh self-aggrandized and it was really an excellent film, a historical drama. It was fun, but when I when it's all said and done, I feel like we're getting the uh, sensational version of historical events. We're we're not getting a faithful adaptation that's trying to portray people as, you know, just everyday people. Yeah. Would you agree to that?
1: Yeah, well I mean what what I I wasn't quite sure I followed the thread of your point completely. Maybe you can summarize your point.
2: Um I just don't like the pretentiousness in other historical films.
1: Yes, no, okay. Okay, yes, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um and and yes, you're you're absolutely right in regards to Lincoln. I think the pretentiousness is is a problem.
2: Now, you you also had something that kind of touches upon this indirectly by Richard Richard Roper.
1: Yeah, Richard Roper panned the film a little bit for underreaching. Um but you know, I I, I, can, I do disagree, and I think this is a related point. Uh, it's the low keyness that makes it great, and it, it gives it uh, that feeling of of truthfulness. Uh, Lisa Kennedy said, uh, "Let me see which site was that." That was on uh, DenverPost dot Lisa Kennedy, who reviewed the film, I'll quote her. She said, "The film isn't a sweeping bi- biopic, and it's better for it. Instead." I can't say that name the director focuses on the time right before and during Robinson's rookie season which doesn't mean it's a modest outing 42 is an old-fashioned movie swinging for the fences it intends to stir stir our emotions and our belief in this nation's better angels yes this is a sentimental journey but it's one definitely worth taking I agree that's me talking I agree. (laughs) right um i didn't give enough pause before i ended her uh, quote there but yeah (laughs) i i I, uh, I
2: didn't reckon that she agreed with herself Uh, (laughs) i i uh
1: i think this film is much better off for uh not reaching much higher i I think if, if richard roper had you know much as i you know respect him and that roger ebert respected him and recruited him and have agreed with him before i think if he had gotten what he wanted i wouldn't have liked the film as much
2: yes right so, well, well, tell me something else that you that stood out to you. I've had a lot I to say.
1: I really enjoyed that old-fashioned love and romance between Jackie and Rachel. Wasn't that great? I mean, I loved it. You, you don't see it was, that. It was brief. It was brief. I mean, we're not talking about like they spent all this time with them, huggy, kissy, lovey, dovey. No, 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 no. But it was there, and it was a, a bedrock. It was a a just – it was there in this film and it was wonderful. Right. I really did you, enjoyed
2: did, it. Uh, on that note, it kind of reminded me of the classic um, Arsenic and Old Lace. Did you ever see that one? I'm not familiar with that. Okay, well, it starred Cary Grant and it has a bunch of other A list, um, you know, classic movie actors. And at near the beginning of the film, it actually has, <laughs> what do you know? It actually begins with a baseball game. I <laughs> forgot about that. But right after that, it, it segues to C- uh, Cary Grant's character um, going to elope with his uh, girlfriend. And so for the first, oh, maybe five to ten minutes of the film, it looks like a romantic comedy. And... Then all of a sudden it switches gears and gets to just, you know, flat out hysterical comedy, Um, I I guess, not like slapstick, but, uh, you know, but just great comedy moments. And I felt like that as well is a a more common trait of older films and like that you're right this film does the same thing right it introduces the this is going to be a serious drama but we're going to have a lot of comedy sprinkled throughout so that you you know you won't get depressed by the serious nature of the racism and at the same time you can still understand why so many people could enjoy baseball and and yet this you know big problem could be present for everyone involved. Um, So it felt a lot more faithful to reality in a sense that they could stop to dwell on the romance between uh, Mr. and Mrs. Robinson getting married and introducing their baby. And then at the same time, it's really not about those things. And at some time in a way, it didn't even feel like those were necessary for character development, but it was still nice to see. I totally agree with you. That's that's a good yeah. that's a good highlight.
1: Yeah, and, and speaking also of Jack Jackie uh, Robinson and uh, his wife Rachel, they were portrayed by relatively unknown actors, uh, which I again I found that nice and refreshing. I mean, we didn't have to go find somebody who uh, I don't know, just somebody that we knew to play these uh, characters. But they found great actors to do it. I mean, they both did the role brilliantly, uh, even though they're relatively unknown. Here's a fun fact too. Did you know that the real Rachel Robinson, who is now ninety was a consultant on this film.
2: No, that's pretty interesting. That's awesome, wow. I think. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so so you know
1: that they were old. at least going for enough realism. I mean it, it's a it is a dramatic film, but it's also based on a real story and and a lot of the events such as uh my understanding is that Alan Tudyk's uh, character Ben Chapman was not over exaggerated in the slightest. Like he really did right. those things. Right. And and, and it's, uh, it's 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 a, you know I I just I look at that. You and I probably both look at that. I think everybody in the United States, even if – I hate to think that anybody's racist, but even if they are a bit racist, I think they would look at that now in our current culture and they go, what? What what was he thinking? Where did that come from? And it's amazing how far we've come. And I, I suppose you could say that I might have been predisposed to like this film because if there's one thing I cannot stand, it is racism. I cannot stand. I cannot abide racism. I just can't stand it. Uh, so as soon as you can say, I was predisposed to like, it. but in any event, I'm, I'm, I'm wandering a little from my original point, which was that uh, Rachel Robinson was a consultant on the film. Huh? So I, I found that very fascinating.
2: Yeah, agreed. Now, what are the, I guess we might as well just say it, the, the, one of the backbones for the entire film is Harrison Ford.
1: Yes, he is a backbone. I, I think there's actually two backbones in this thing. And that one of them is of course, Jackie Robinson uh, and the, the guy who played him. Uh, uh, Bozeman, right? Is that right? Yeah, uh, Chadwick mm-hmm. Bozeman. But Harrison Ford. I mean, without him, this this film would not have been the same film.
2: Right now, he didn't just bring to it star power, but it felt like he actually got down to earth with a level of the a lot of the no names. Oh yeah, and
1: he 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 did not phone it in. He brought a really good performance.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. And you know, it was just it was just so uncharacteristic of him. Like it didn't strike me as a performance that he would do. But if he is willing to do this sort of thing now, I am much more interested in his future again. Because, again, like, I can't say it enough, it just doesn't strike me as a Harrison Ford role. No, like, not at it, all. Like, if he could have, he would have been, I mean, and this is weird, but it, it, he couldn't have. But if he could have, he would have been Jackie Robinson. Uh, that's the kind of character he would have done. He would not have done someone else much older with a uh, with a, a unique character uh, driven personality.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously there would have been uh color skin color issues with him playing Jackie Robinson, but, but you're right. That would be more of the role he would, he would kind of go for.
2: Mm. Well, I'm colorblind TJ. So I don't know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one, I mean,
2: Okay. I don't think it's, I don't <laughs> I think it's you went to a corner there. <laughs> I don't think it's racist
1: to say uh, what a person's skin color is. It's not racist. I, I am I embrace it, but Little I know, you know, I know that well, I don't he's exp- not a black I, man.
2: <laughs> okay. Well let's just say people look, we we also appreciate it that in movies typically men play male roles and women play. <laughs> female roles so it's like i mean come on Uh, there's a certain level done to this
1: conversation
2: joe (laughs) what we're just saying is we appreciate authenticity
1: okay yes no i i agree and (laughs) and, uh again i can't i can't say enough this is not your typical harrison ford role it was very refreshing and a very job well done job well done um
2: one other thing i wanted to mention was that as a baseball fan who's watched a lot of baseball movies and i've seen it all it was uh it struck me how many baseball fields we get to see. There are all these old baseball fields and I know that they probably were processed with a lot of CGI. Um, I only noticed once where I thought that I could tell where they were doing some masking around the heads of the ballplayers as they were, uh, Jackie was walking to home plate. Oh, I never noticed Um, it. Yeah. It was very, it was very faint, but it almost appeared as though some of his head was missing around the edges where they had done some masking but other than that it was not just uh it seemed like they took advantage of every opportunity to show off just the nostalgic the uh quality of of any baseball field that they came across and it made me want to be there and it made me feel like, man, what a loss. What a shame that we've lost these old ball fields. And I know that a lot of other baseball fans would say the same thing. Yeah. But it's great that we get to at least ways get this glimpse of these old ball fields with a movie like this. And it's not something that other ball film, uh, sorry, other baseball movies have really accomplished. This film really excelled by showing off more than two or three stadiums. Yeah. Now, I can say that as a you know, baseball fan. I don't know about you, TJ.
1: I am not a baseball fan. I'm not a sports fan in general, and I don't enjoy watching sports for the sake of watching sports. On the other uh, hand, I, I I have played sports, and I don't mind playing them. It's just watching them that really like. Why would I do that? Ugh. Um, uh, I'd have to watch re- something uh, dramatic. But but this uh, film, see, uh, this is one of the uh, points I was going to make in, in my like like category. Uh, it may be a baseball film, but that's not the focus of the film. The focus is the story. They don't overplay the baseball aspects. And uh, right, yes. And you know going in that you're going to see baseball being played. I mean, obviously, it's a baseball film, but I never felt like it overpowered the story. Right, kind
2: of like Moneyball in that respect. It isn't about the game. It's about the business and the people that are running the business and what are they going through.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's a film about uh, a black man's journey in a white game uh, dealing with racism. I mean, that's ultimately what the film is about, and it does it in a very compelling way.
2: Right, and what was interesting, too, was that – If you didn't know the story before, you might have expected to find, you know, Jackie Robinson was trying to use uh, his career for the platform to uh, foster equality, but that wasn't his doing the way it's portrayed in the movie. It was really Branch Rickey, the the white general manager of the ball team that wanted uh, uh, Jackie Robinson to do this, but also... In the bigger picture, he was really just a businessman looking to make more money, and he believed that he could accomplish this with more ball players that were on uh, not allowed into the ball game because they were black, and that was you know just totally inappropriate. Now, uh, just for the record, we'll go ahead and mention this too so that we look like we're very smart. Um, that Jackie Robinson wasn't actually the first black ball player in the major leagues, but he was the first great, good baseball player. That was black in the major leagues.
1: Uh See, I've always heard he was the first one in the major leagues. So there you go.
2: Right. And that's you have to, you know, give credit to Branch Rickey for doing his job to scout for a great ball player, finding him and getting him on the team made all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have him to thank for that. I mean, there's the you know, there's many things you can say about our nation right now. But one thing is that we certainly have done a, a, a good job. I mean, a lot of, of all the things we've done wrong in this nation. One of the things we've done a good job with is getting away from the racism. I I, I couldn't be happier about that. I, I know it's still a problem and it still exists, but you have to applaud the, the progress, right? I mean, holy right. cow. I mean, look <laughs> on that- where we are compared to where we were. Just that 1940s.
2: Right now on that note, TJ, did you watch this movie with anyone else? I did not. Okay, because I watched it with Liz and it just struck me that, and I, I totally understand her point of view and why she did this, but she was crying for like half of the movie nonstop. I mean, like, before thirty minutes into the film, she already was shedding tears. Oh well, well God. And I I would then, never never cry in a movie. Right, right. Of course not. <laughs> but but even I, I, for Liz, this is was still rather exceptional. And she, she just totally loved the movie. She wanted to be on our podcast, but she had to watch the kids tonight. Yeah. But yes, she she wanted Navy to set. point that out was this you know, how moving this movie could be was um definitely surprising. And it wasn't just moving in a Sort of like uh, something that we've encountered more and more is that when a movie wants to be moving, they pull all the heartstrings and you feel like you're being manipulated. And this film doesn't really leave you feeling like you're manipulated most of the time. And part of that, too, is because we know that it is a true story.
1: Yeah. I I think that's part of it. I really do. Um, And it rings true. So, right. Yeah. And, well, see, and,
2: I felt like I was manipulated with the the true story of Lincoln. So
1: that's true. Well, okay. Well, we, we we don't want to go rehash the aspects
2: that weren't true that they were manipulating us on. We've already talked about that. <laughs> this is a right. far well, better I, film. I don't in terms mean of that. the the historical revisionism. I just mean like for the sake of you know making the story present compelling, like doing everything to make you. Uh, to to extremely tug at the heartstrings i guess that's what i'm talking about like okay. more so than be you know just beyond all reason you know that kind of kind of thing
1: okay well hey we uh both of us rated this uh movie four and a half stars which means that we can find at least one little nitpicky thing to talk about that we might want to talk about so let's talk about anything that we don't like about this film i really only have one but i see you have listed here three and a four and a half star film come on joe
2: Right. Well, okay. I'm. I'm. I'm just. You know, none. None of the three were. Uh, none. Of, none of these three qualities necessarily deem the movie less than good. Like, I would say most of the film was great. But as it pertains to these three qualities, these were only good. They were not great. Um. So that that really doesn't give it five stars. It's four and a half. You know. So just half a star is lost because it had. Just three elements I thought were weaker than the rest. Uh, one being that I just noticed that there was some choppy moments between scene to scene. Scenes themselves were pretty well edited, but there was like this one moment where <laughs> they show uh, Rachel. Are you okay there? Yeah, fine. <sighs> okay. Uh, don't die on me, man. Okay, so Rachel was just uh, leaving her baby with a babysitter and leaving. And the way that they staged the scene, they're actually introducing the baby sitter. Her name is Alice. And Rachel leaves the, the house, presumably to go watch um, Jackie in a ball game. And the, because they showed this scene, and it, it, because it felt kind of random, it could have only been there for one of two reasons. One, that they had in uh, the, the actress's contract that she was going to appear X number of seconds on screen. And so they had to squeeze in the X number of seconds or two, that something bad was about to happen to their baby. And so after seeing that, I thought, oh, no, oh, dear, they're going to say something terrible is about to happen to the baby. You know, Jackie will have a great ball game. Go home and find the baby's been, you know, something terrible has happened to him. And they didn't. And there was nothing developed there. So I, I, it, it really didn't seem to make any sense why they would even show that brief little moment. It was the kind of thing that I experienced about four or five times that it felt like it was choppy. Okay. I, I didn't feel that way at all. I, I was fine with it. Okay. Then uh, besides this, uh, when the movie ended, I expected to see more and I couldn't really begrudge them the fact, you know, they, they used a good uh, feature length film time length. But they only covered like the first two or so years of his major league ball career. And I really wanted to know how did Jackie deal with it as he started to make a difference and they started to see the turn of the tide. Did he see the turn of the tide during his baseball career or was he persecuted all the way? And there was things like that I wondered about, but we didn't get to see any of that the movie gives you um, a little bit of text up on screen to tell you what happened, de- you know, many years later, how you know Jackie ends up in the Baseball Hall of Fame and things like that. But we miss a lot of details where it left us kind of hanging. Um, yeah. Third, thirdly, and this was just well, the the bigger of my three criticisms. Uh, you wanted to say something? Go ahead. Well,
1: I was going to say I think this is related to to what I feel. But go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, the third act was weaker than the first two in that it really wasn't there was no progression in the third act there was just moments of spirited uh belief recognized that they were making a difference that they that they started to see a turn of the tide and so then there'd be a a sort of triumphant moment where Jackie knocks in a home run and the music would, would blare at Forte and you'd see him round the bases and stamp on the home plate. And the game was over. Yay. And the movie's over. And it was like, uh, it just felt kind of not. And it wasn't anticlimactic, but it didn't seem to match the paces for the rest of the film. There was no conflict for the ending. It was, it was mediocre.
1: Nice nice musical term there with Forte. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're feeling the uh, same sort of thing that I'm feeling. I think I'm saying it in a different way. Um, and and let, let me just say this. I, I know that this is a true-to-life production for the most part, uh, and there's not a lot that could probably be done about this without changing the facts. But it felt a little bit like an even line, right? Like yeah. the, the plot felt like it was just on an upward arc the entire way. And that, that doesn't necessarily make for the best, the absolute best Dramatic movie experience. You you almost want your arc to be to be heading straight down at some point, and then to get dramatically lifted back up and say, "Whoa, we turned this, we turned this around, we saved it." The hero did his thing. Um, and 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 in this it's a, it was a little bit too perfect. Like that arc was just a straight line. Uh, and Robinson was a bit too perfect. The the, the only um, I, I wrote in my notes here, it felt a little bit too much like a hagiography. It hagi- had a hagiographic feel to it.
2: Um uh, clarify clarify for everybody.
1: um, a hagiography is a biography of a saint <laughs> um, so it, it it felt just like it had a little bit too much of. The only exception is that one scene, uh you know, where Chapman is taunting our our hero Robinson, and uh, he has to go in where nobody can see him and destroy his baseball bat
2: right um uh, very that's the only very compelling scene. It
1: was a very compelling scene. I wanted more of that. and I, I guess that maybe Robinson for the most part just dealt with it so well but that wasn't. Uh, that wasn't available as far as if you wanted to tell a real life, true story. So I understand that that could be, you know, and again, it, even though it is a straight line story arc and it's not the best arc for dramatic reasons, it it doesn't. I still love the film,
2: you know, right? Well, it, there was a, another arc of sorts. There really wasn't a, a noticeable arc for Branch Ricky, although he was a significant role. There was the other arc for the entire ball team how the majority of the Dodgers were opposed. And by the end of it, the the majority of the Dodgers are in agreement that having Jackie on the team has not only been a great thing, but it's totally deserved. Uh, But yeah, uh, you're right. It seems like the arc is way too smooth, even. And by the end, just, uh, you already saw it coming long before it happens.
1: Yeah. no, I mean, and I think you knew you were in for that ride when you went to see this film, right? Right. Right.
2: Uh, okay anyway. well bottom line then
1: yeah apparently my mm. bottom line is blah zoo <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I never filled that in in our outline here
2: <laughs> yeah that was just a little bit of filler text
1: yes okay so you go ahead and, and give us the bottom line Joe.
2: okay the bottom line from joe is it's an altogether lighthearted look at old-fashioned american racism in baseball culture and how some smart men and women overcame persecution the story of Robinson is highly respected and well represented in uh, this film forty two. It may not be an in depth view of his life in the times, but it's an entertaining one, eye opening and deeply moving.
1: I don't have any problem with that summation. I, I would be right along there with you. And you know the only thing I will say is this if you're going for an action film, this ain't it. Don't go for an action film. This is a drama and it's a it's a doggone good one so where
2: where would you expect to find action in a no film I'm like not this? saying
1: you would I'm just saying if you're going to the movies and you don't know anything about this film uh and you i can see how you you know and i i know that uh chad in the chat room is is telling us that he doesn't he doesn't agree with us he doesn't care for the film and i saw that earlier when he said something about it somewhere and you know mm. what i'm i'm sorry about, i'm sorry you didn't enjoy this great film
2: <laughs> um, well yeah maybe in another you know five years we'll come out with the, the night's tale spin on this where some <laughs> time travel lyric goes back in time and has a <laughs> wild crazy zany adventure with jackie robinson and then somebody goes <laughs> back in time to reset it all as though it never happened at all and then uh then we, we're back to where we started. Yeah.
1: All right. Because of the format of our show this week, where we had a guest on uh, and started the show off with the guest, um, you wanted to mention this. You would have normally mentioned this up in our items of interest, but we didn't have that this week. So you wanted to mention your article about podcatchers. So go ahead and do that.
2: Sure. Well, you know, we'd like to talk about movies on our podcast and we're really honored when we get people like you out there to listen to our episodes uh, we've gotten responses from the chat room and in the website and from iTunes and face-to-face encounters and abroad with people that seem to enjoy this podcast. And, you know, we're really glad that we can contribute to the culture that is uh, this media, this medium of podcasts. And if you go on iTunes, anybody, any day of the week can find a lot of podcasts that are interesting and uh, they can easily subscribe to them, put them on their iPhones, take them on the go, and it can totally totally change the way that you digest uh, your audio media. You don't need the talk radio and and when I say that you're going to be like, oh, "Joe, you're so stupid." You know, but that's please bear with me. The thing is Uh, The audio shows that you're probably interested in most anyway from the talk radio programs are available as podcasts, too. And the beauty about them is that they usually include less commercial times. You can play them on demand and you can easily download them or stream them from a podcast app. So we wanted to, uh, you know, just uh, contribute to this uh, market. And so I read an article over on my other site, Jiving Jackalope. Dot net, where I talked about some of the podcast uh, apps that you can get for the iPhone and uh, a little bit about the methodology behind podcasts and why they are so useful and how you could use them on the go. So if you're interested in how to get uh, more involved listening to podcasts, I recommend that you check that out. And it will also help you to get great podcasts such as our own.
1: All right. Very good. Check out Joe's article. He does a great job. I only disagreed with a few minor points in your article, Joe, so I'll recommend the article as well. Uh, Joe's article on podcatchers, and since we do run a podcast, we're very interested in podcatchers, so be sure to check that out. And I forgive uh, you, TJ. Yeah. (laughs) Joe, with your permission, um, since we both loved on this film so much, I thought I would read a dissenting point of view on 42 that was just posted to the chat room. uh, Oh, okay. Sure. Fair enough. He says, uh, and he's been listening and disagreeing with us. So I'll just, I'll just read this. I'll give, I'll throw him a bone here. Um, I'll sum up my opinions. We saw lots of half-chewed cigar waving pitchers trying, uh, trying to pick off Jackie. Surprise, he's a fast runner. Even three games later, sickeningly saccharine uh, conversations between Jackie and Rachel and Harrison Ford talking seven words per minute, saying crazy things. No, I didn't enjoy Ford in this film. Nor did I really enjoy anyone with the exception of Bozeman as Robinson, whose subtlety and genuineness in the role was fantastic. I loved him, and I loved the baseball, but that's pretty much it. I appreciated that they didn't make light of the incredible racism of the time period, but they could have done better. I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't like it. Two of five stars. So there you go. That's a dissenting opinion, uh, and it's certainly uh, – I, I, I can understand where you're coming from, Chad. I, I don't agree with it, and I, I highly recommend this film, but uh, there you go. It's a valid opinion.
2: And ditto what you said, Yeah, not what he said. <laughs>
1: All right, so next week's topic uh we're going to be talking about a film I am really looking forward to. I hope I'm not disappointed. Oh, I hope I'm not disappointed. We're going to talk about Oblivion. It's coming out this weekend. Mm. And uh oh man, I I'm I'm really excited about this film. They they've mm. really got me worked up. They've been pushing it hard and uh they've done their it, it's worked on me cuz I'm I'm ready to see it. How about you, Joe?
2: Oh, most definitely. All right. <laughs> i have nothing else to say about that just yet
1: <laughs> all right well we will talk about that next week in the meantime uh you will want to keep up with movie Byte on twitter uh our username is at movie for the latest movie news and details we tweet all the links to all of our articles and the like you can also keep up with movie bite on facebook facebook.com slash movie uh certainly visit our website every day because we post every day something out there every weekday moviebyte.com. joe where can people keep up with you
2: Find me on Twitter. My username is Joseph Darnell, and find me on Facebook. I'm Joseph Darnell there. Also, check me out at uh, all my articles on MovieByte.com and my personal site JivingJackLope.net.
1: Right, and I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Um, you can get uh, with me on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash TJ Draper. And I've already mentioned moviebite.com. That's where I do uh, the majority of my writing now. I haven't written an article on any of my other sites very recently. Well, I guess I've written some on tjdraper.com. If you're interested in my personal details of some of the trials I've been going through, you can go there. But I don't recommend it if you don't know me. Uh, All right, then that's pretty much it. We will talk to you next week about Oblivion. We're out.
2: Ta-ta.